All right, so let's go ahead and jump into the, the message. We're, we're in our flannel board stories series, and, and I was made aware of something absolutely devastating and uh, uh, that, that I have to kind of help you with because, and I, we kind of dealt with this a little bit this morning, but I um, probably need to deal with it a little bit more just in case there's a few of us that don't know. I was made aware that some individuals do not know what a flannel board was or was used for. Now, we're not going to talk about the fact that these were probably young people, okay? We also discussed many, actually, in this meeting, we actually talked about a lot of the things that, that we knew about that they didn't, and, and basically all that did was make us feel very old. But anyway, for those that don't know, when I was a kid, I used to go and uh, be in Sunday school or whatever, and especially when I would go visit my grandparents uh, at their church, uh, we would have Sunday school, and we had this wonderful tool of, of magical, mystical spirit-filled thing, which was a flannel board, and basically they, they would tell us stories and use the flannel board because our imaginations were so broken at that time in the mid-80s uh, that we needed to have uh, flannel boards, and so I just remember this lady, and she was so wonderful and sweet, and she would tell the story, and she would have our little flannel board cutouts, and she would, you know, say, then, then this happened, and then magically, like, like it was just amazing, she would take it, and it would, it would, it would just stick to this board. Yes, I know all of you are in this moment of just, just great and utter, I can see by the smiles on your faces, you know, and he would just stick, and then she would continue on the story, and she'd take that part off, and she'd put the next part on. The, the, the highlight of the year was always around Easter, when she'd do the resurrection of Jesus, you know, or, or, or the Lazarus with the stone rolling away, and all this sort of stuff, because it actually had, like, motion, you know, movement, and things like that. It was, it was my iPad before there was an iPad, basically. And so, what we've been doing, and that kind of gives you an idea of a flannel board, but what we've been doing over the last several weeks has been going over some of these stories that a lot of us know, that a lot of us have kind of maybe even grown up hearing, and allowing God to kind of bring forth some new revelation and some new uh, truth that comes from these stories. The great thing about Scripture, that what makes it so different from any other book, is, 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 is God has the ability to take His Word and almost like a diamond, turn it just so slightly, and we see another facet, we see more color, we see more, more life. We can, we can read stories, and I'm sure all of us have had this experience where we've, we've read scripture, we've read things, and, and all of a sudden the Spirit will illuminate something new in us, and we'll go, man, I've never seen that before, or, or I never thought about that before. It's one of the great things about scripture. So we've been talking about some of these stories that a lot of us have known, and today we're going to tell the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So let's pray. Father, we love you. I need your help right now to communicate the words that you would want me to communicate, that, Father, that, that, that my words would cease and your would begin and that you would anoint these things. Father, that you would help us to see these things, that you would bring forth new revelation, you'd bring forth new things from these stories. And Father, that it would just be a special time in your presence and that we would open our hearts to hear what the Spirit is telling us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go ahead and let's just start by, let's tell the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to be in Daniel. Uh, Daniel uh, is a 
great book. I, I, will, I will tell you, we're not going to read, obviously, as we haven't, all of the story and get into the, the, the nitty-gritty. I would encourage you, as we're going through these stories, to take some time and, and read them all. So you've got to get the full picture. But uh, we're not going to read it all this morning. But the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're going to mainly be in Daniel 3. But the story really doesn't begin in Daniel 3. The, da- the story really begins in Daniel 1. So in Daniel 1, let me kind of give you an idea of what's going on. God has finally brought judgment. I say finally because he gave Israel time and time and time to try to repent and come back to him. Sent many, many prophets to try to help them to see that, but they refused. And finally, God allows the Babylonians to come to take them over to to destroy uh, Jerusalem and do some some terrible things. And so that's kind of where we are in the story, okay? And so in, in the history of Israel. And so this is what it says, starting with Daniel 1, verses 3 through 4. It says, Then the king ordered... Um, Ashpenaz, whatever, his chief of staff to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure that they are versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace, okay? So obviously when Israel is taken over, they bring captives back with them to Babylon. They kill a lot of people, but they bring back some of these individuals. And the king has ordered his chief of staff to basically get some of these people and bring them to uh, Babylon and to serve and to learn and to follow the ways of Babylon and become basically people that can serve in his administration, if that would make sense. And some of the people that actually are listed in that idea or who was brought was a guy named Daniel, who's obviously in the lion's den later on and obviously the writer of this book, but also uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, they all had Hebrew names. These are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are their Babylon names, and we could talk about that, but we're not going to this morning. So we are going to use their their names that they uh, are listed here in Scripture, but we do know that their names were changed when they came to Babylon. So let's go ahead and pick up the story now in Daniel 3. In Daniel 3, we pick up the story after about three years of training. Uh, These individuals, Daniel and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are placed in positions of authority, and so they're working now for the king, and This is what happens starting in Daniel 3. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 90 feet wide and set it up on the plains of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then the herald shouted, Okay, now we're going to get, well, let's stop there for a second. So basically, what we've got here is a situation where the king has erected this big statue. And I was studying over the last couple of weeks for this. And I thought this was really cool. I like history. I like archaeology. Um, I like all those things. And they've actually found in this area, they've actually found an area and they've, they've kind of cleared it away where they found a mound that they've actually thought was a large enough mound to support a statue of this size, which is really cool to me. So anyway, um, so he bakes this statue, and so basically after he's made this statue, he continues on and, and begins to bring all his officials together in this area and brings them all together and basically says this. Listen, it says, Then the herald shouted, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. 
When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, larp, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. Let's continue on. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. Okay, obviously, basically we know the story, and a lot of us do, where basically he says, you're going to do this. If you don't, you're getting thrown in the fiery furnace, okay? So now let's continue. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews, okay? What's interesting about this, there's so many people here, when they begin to bow down, they're not, this is interesting to me, they're not originally noticed all that much. There's a lot of people here. And so basically these individuals, these astrologers, they actually notice, hey, this is what's going on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are bowing down to this golden statue. So they go and are tattletales, basically, and tell the king. It says, but there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the provinces of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the golden statue that you have set up. So he's, the music played, everybody bowed, and three guys stand there and say, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. So let's continue on with our story in Daniel 13. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? So they're brought in. They're looked at the situation. And they're basically saying, oh boy, this is it. This is your last, this is your last chance. I've given you an extra chance. Nebuchadnezzar likes these guys. He's, he's given them the best chance to, to get this figured out. But this is what they say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, oh Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Verse 18. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty. I love how they just keep, it's like, your majesty, your majesty. They're very respectful here. That we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Let's continue on with verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. That's a great picture you got up there, John. That's good. That is a very distorted, ragey face with, with a bowl on his head that looks like it could hold a trifle or something. Anyway, he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shagrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the, men, the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames." And, of course, that's the end of the story, right? Because when you are tied up and you are thrown into fire, normally what happens with fire and men is fire wins, right? 
So that's the end of the story. Let's pray and be gone. Okay, well, or we can continue. Thankfully, we can continue in verse number 24. It says, Then the king Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, you know, there's sometimes in Scripture where I, I wish I could have a time machine and I could go back and just watch this take place. Just watch his face. Watch this moment in time. And this is one of those things. It says, he leaps to his feet. Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. In verse number 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Just a great story. Love this story. Love, loved the whole idea of it and the, the, the thought of it. It's such, a, it's such an amazing story about, about what God has done and what God is doing in the lives of, of individuals that will stand up for him. And this morning, what I want to really talk about is this concept of standing up for God. Now, here's the thing. We have to understand this. And I think this is sometimes lost in the story that we need to talk about today. And the idea here is, is that when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in Israel, it was a lot easier. Not, not, not easier as it was completely easy, but it was a lot easier to stand up for God. It was a lot easier in that culture and in that time to be willing to say, this is who I am. I'll stand up. I'll, I'll, I'll follow God's commands. I won't do things that I'm not supposed to do. I won't uh, acquiesce to, to the cares and the things that this world is trying to offer me. I'll stand up. The problem is, is in this story, they're not in Israel. They're not in their homeland. They're not in that place of safety and security. They've been taken away. They've been ripped away from what they know and what they've experienced. They've been taken to this foreign land and learned new things and they've been given new names and they've tried to figure out new identities and how to live and all these sort of things. And the one thing that we need to really understand this morning, and it's in your notes, is this. It's easier to stand for God in Israel. But in a lot of ways, and this is for us today, we don't live in Israel anymore. I wish we did. I wish we could look at our culture and our world today and see a safe place for for Christians, a safe place where we can stand firmly and with confidence for what we believe. But you know what? We are attacked from every side. The culture and the world is coming against us just like we knew that the culture and the world would do because the enemy wants to destroy us and destroy you. But we've got to understand that God has called us to also stand for him in Babylon. It's easy to stand for God. It's easy to stand for God when you are surrounded in this place and in this situation. But listen, you're not going to be here Monday morning. You're not going to be here Tuesday afternoon. You're going to be in that world. You're going to be in that workplace or that school or that store where things are coming against you. You have to decide, you have to make the decision that says, you know what? I am going to stand for what is right. I'm going to stand for what God has commanded and I'm going to do it. And I don't care how hot the furnace is. I don't care what the king says. I am going to do that. So we need to look at this together and look at this story and really see, because I believe there's some some concepts here and some ideas that we can take to help us do that. So let's look in our notes. It says this in point number two. What, what, What must we do to stand 
for God in Babylon? What must we do to stand for God in Babylon? The first thing I want to talk about is this idea. We've got to fight against the pressure to compromise. We've got to fight against the pressure to compromise. Look at Daniel 3, 14 and 15. We saw this earlier, and this is basically what it says in that scripture. It says, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? And now we go on to 15. I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. You know what? Think about this, guys. It would have been so easy just to compromise. It would have been so easy to be like, you know what? You know, nobody's around Nobody knows. Nobody's going to find out. It's one time. Man, that fire is hot. You know, I think, you know what? Yeah, let's, hey, listen, dude, Shadrach, Misha, you're going to go, listen, listen, I, you know, I, as much as I, you know, don't want to do this, you know, it might just be easier. It might just be easier for us to just compromise. I don't, hey, listen, I got this strong position. Uh, you know, I, I got this strong position and, and, and I don't want to lose it. I don't want to make the king mad at me and I don't want people to think I'm weird and, and I, don't wanna, I don't want people to think I'm intolerant. And so, you know what, uh, uh, is, is, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, is it really that big of a deal? I'm not really worshiping. I'm just kneeling. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, oh, my legs are tired. So, you know, in the music plays, I'll just happen to get down a little bit. And we start to make excuses and we start to compromise. And listen, let me be honest with you, because this is one thing I think that is, is kind of prevalent in the church, is we over-spiritualize our excuses. Instead of just saying, this is what God's word says and this is what I believe, we super-spiritualize our excuses. Let me give you an example of how they could have done that. You know, you know if, if, if God here has placed me in this place of authority, where I can affect other people, right? I can affect other people because God has placed me in this position. But if I'm thrown in the fiery furnace, I can't affect anybody. So you know what? God probably would rather me do this so that I can affect other people and and, and make that happen instead of uh, 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 just, just, just not bowing. I've heard it. Unfortunately, probably at times, I've done it. Here's the thing, okay? God will never place you in a position where he looks at you and goes, it is completely okay for you to disobey my commands. Okay? And it's so easy to make that excuse. It's so easy to compromise. Nobody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna see. It's, 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 I got this one last chance. Oh, 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 God, God, I messed up before, but God has given me a second chance to not get thrown in the fire. God has provided a way where there was no way. No. But you know what? In Babylon, it's so easy. That pressure from that king that is sitting there going, you will do this. You will follow my command. You will bow and compromise what you know to be right. And that brings us into the second one that we need to understand. And it's this. We've got to choose which king's command we're going to follow. We're going to have to choose. Look at Daniel 3, 18, the second part. It says, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty... We'll make it clear to you that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Listen, there are a lot of kings in our lives. And we've got to figure out who's the king of kings and follow him. Even this morning, as John was uh, praying, he mentioned the king of kings. 
We need to figure that out. And here's the deal, guys. Listen, we got to figure that out before we're standing before the other kings. Because in that moment, if we're not already made that decision that we're going to stand for God and stand for what, he, what is true and what his word says, then it's going to be even easier to compromise. It's going to be even easier to bow the knee. We've got to decide in advance which king's command we are going to follow. And the third one, we need to choose to do what is right, even if God doesn't do what you expect or hope. Uh, for him to do. Look at Daniel 3, 17 and 18. And this is such a, a, a famous por- a portion of scripture and it's so powerful uh, for a lot of reasons. This is what they say. It says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. A lot of times we will stand for God when God does what we want and what we expect. It's a lot harder to stand for God when God says, you know what, that's not my way. I'm going to do it a different way. There's a book in my office. It's called Fox's Books of Martyrs. If you're having a really, really bad day, it might be good for you to read it. It might be bad depending on the type of person you are. It's basically a book of people who gave their lives. Basically people who in their story, God doesn't save them from the fire. I remember in high school and, 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 and school studying about how Christians were in Nero's Rome, were, were literally taken and they were, were, were killed for sport and they were, they were eaten by lions and they were, they were burned and they were doing I mean, all these horrible, terrible things. You realize that, that those guys and those people weren't being killed because they were Christian. They were being killed because they wouldn't serve gods that weren't God. They basically said, no, we're going to stand for something. We're going to, and if it costs us our life, we're going to do it. And you know what? Those people, the lions didn't have their mouths shut like in Daniel. The fires weren't quenched like in this story. They gave their lives. They were willing to stand up and say, you know what? I know God can save me. I know God can take care of this. But even if he doesn't, let me ask you a question. Do you have that type of faith? Do you have the type of faith that says, you know what, I believe God, I believe his word, and even if horrible, terrible things happen to me, that doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change that God can. It just shows me that right now, for reasons that I don't understand, God is saying the better thing right now is this. And God, I trust you in that. That's an amazing amount of faith. That's an amazing uh, understanding that, you know what, we don't always understand why God does what he does. But you know what? We believe that God knows what he's doing and that God has a plan. And if God chooses in your situation or mine to basically save us from that or keep us from that, then he can do that. But you know what? Sometimes God doesn't. Sometimes we've got to face the fire. Sometimes we've got to experience those things, even though they're hard, even though they're difficult, even though, honestly, we'd rather not. But a lot of times, that's where we find us, ourselves in. And so to kind of bring it all, to, clo- uh, to close it all up, I want to look at number three. And this is something that I kind of want to help us to all understand. What will be the result 
of our stand for God in Babylon. If you know me at all, I try to give it to you the straight. I try to give you the whole story. I don't want to fool you. I don't want you to walk away not understanding. And so because of that, you need to look in your nose because I want you to understand this. When you make a stand for God, at times, the initial result of our stand for God will be a trip to the furnace. It will be. It'll be a trip to the furnace. When we stand for God, when we say, you know what, this is right and this is wrong. Why? Because this is what God's word says and I stand on the authority of God's word. You know what, some of us are going to be thrown in the fire. Some of us at school or at our jobs or in our families, we are going to face this. Because here's the thing that's interesting to me. God could have done lots of ways and done lots of things to save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God could have basically looked at the fiery furnace and go, oh, look, you got a fiery furnace. <sighs> Gone. Now, that would have been cool. I, I mean, I'm not going to tell God how to tell the story because this is a really cool way. But, you know, like, I kind of think that would be cool. Like, there's a big seven times hotter, and God just blows it out like a candle on a birthday cake. <sighs> and then they go, re- it's like one of those candles that just keeps lighting up again, you know. So they go relight it again, God, <sighs> that would be awesome. But he doesn't. He doesn't. He allows them to be thrown in. He allows them to be thrown in. Listen, you need to understand that, guys. Because I'll be honest with you, a lot of times I talk with people who are going through things, and you know what they're basically saying to me? They're basically saying this, why did God not just blow the fire out? Why do I have to face the fire? Why do I have to be thrown in? And there's lots of reasons, and this isn't in your notes, and I just feel like God's placed this on my heart just in this moment, so I'm going to go there before I go to the notes. But sometimes, listen, sometimes God will let you face the fire because he wants to refine you. Okay, you cannot refine gold without some serious heat. And you can't hold it outside the fire and hope that it'll take care of it. It's got to go in. And maybe some of you are going through some of those moments right now. It's kind of almost feel like this is kind of also what John was sharing. You're going through the fire right now, and God is refining you. God is working. God is removing those impurities that are there. Sometimes we've got to go through that, okay? So, so don't hate the fire. Don't hate the furnace, even though it's hot, even though it's hard. But here's the thing. Let's look at this. Let's go back to our notes. Even in the midst of the furnace... We can be assured of these things. So even if you're in that middle of that furnace, even though it's hot, even though it's, it, it, it's intense, we can be assured of these things. You go, Aaron, oh, I, I'm doing okay. I'm not, I'm not in the furnace right now. Okay, listen, great. Hold on to these because at some point you probably will. Number one, and this is so amazing, God stands with us in the furnace. God stands with us in the furnace. Look at Daniel 3.25. It says this, he said, this is the king, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. This is one of those flannel board moments that was so cool as a kid. Because I remember that flannel board sticking up there. And here's the furnace. And here's these three men. And they're getting ready to go into this furnace. And I remember she took it away. And the furnace went away. And instead, she put another thing up there. And now, all of a sudden, somehow, there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But there's a fourth person there. 
There's a fourth guy walking around with him. Listen, what we can be assured of is no matter how hot your fire is, no matter how long you got to be in there, Jesus is going to be with you. He's going to walk with you. He's going to help you. He's going to be there. I love the fact that it actually says they're literally walking around in the furnace because I believe in the midst of that fire, in the midst of that heat, Jesus doesn't want you to sit down. He doesn't want you to say, you know what, I'm just going to wait for this trial and this tribulation to move on. And I'm just going to sit here. He wants you to move. He wants you to be a part of what God's doing and be a part of the movement of the spirit that God is asking you to do in the midst of that fire. But you know what? Jesus is with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He will be with you in the midst of that heat and that fire, and he will not leave you. I love it. And I love that we see something else. Number two, God brings us freedom in the furnace. God brings us freedom in the furnace. Now, before we actually look at Daniel 3.25 again, we need to remember something. We're not going to go there. We're not going to turn back. But we talked about it earlier. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are bound. Before they're thrown into the furnace, they are bound up. They are, they, are, they are taken and they are bound by strong soldiers. Strong men bind them up. And then they take them to the furnace. So we have to get this in our minds. Shadrach, and Abednego, completely bound, unable to do the things that they need to do. And now let's look at Daniel 3.25. We're going to read it basically again. It says, he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. What's the fire do? The fire, if we will allow it to take place, that fire will burn those bondages away. It'll burn them away so that we can move freely and do what God's called us to do. Sometimes God will let us face that fire. Why? Because he wants to bring freedom to us in the fire. He wants to do amazing things in us. And you know what? Let's be honest. Sometimes as human beings, we're stubborn. And we are completely happy walking around in bondage as long as we're out of the fire. We will, okay, this is okay. This isn't, this isn't so bad. You know, I'm okay. Uh, hey, Aaron, can you scratch your nose? No, but you know what's okay. I'm fine. You know, you know, here's the problem with this. This is not what God has called us to have and to be. This is not the life that Jesus came, died, and raised again on the third day to provide for us. But you know what? Sometimes we're completely cool with this. And then what happens is we get bound here, and now we're doing this. Oh, well, you know, this isn't so bad. You know, this is, this is great. You know, I mean, I mean, am I really living the life that God's called me to live? Well, uh, not really, but, you know, you know, it's not so bad. You know, and then we get a gag over about, it's not so bad. And you laugh, and you go, oh, that's so silly. That's so silly. And it is. But spiritually speaking, how many of us are walking around like that? Sometimes God will allow us to go into the fire because that is what will burn those things away. Because in the fire, we have a choice to make. At the fire, we've got to know, okay, God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving it everything to you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what were they basically saying? They weren't just saying we're not going to bow down. We were basically saying we're going to bow down to our God who can save us. But even if he doesn't, if we've got to lay it all down and give it all up, we will. And I love that we see here in the scripture freedom that is brought 
in our lives because of the furnace. Sometimes what God wants to do in those furnace moments is bring you a freedom like you have never experienced before. I know in my own life, in those trials and those tribulations, God does something deep inside of me. He, he, he does refine that in me. And it's amazing the freedom I have even in the midst of the fire because I am totally and completely committed to him. And the final one, and this is a big one. God's power and protection is shown to the world in the furnace. Look at Daniel 3, 28. This is at the end of our story. Then Nebuchadnezzar, this is after he's called them out. And I love the the description of the Bible. The Bible literally says that they're brought out unharmed and they don't even smell like smoke. I love the descriptions that we get sometimes in scripture where it's like they came out and they're not singed, they're not bothered, they don't even smell bad. They don't even smell like smoke. So Nebuchadnezzar says this, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather to serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I will make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb. Their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble and there will, because there is no other God who can rescue like this. Look. If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. As a pastor, as somebody that, that thinks a lot about, okay, how do we, how do we reach this world? How do, we, how do we communicate the good news of Jesus? How do we, how do, we do all these things? And, 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 and then I'll begin to look at, at, at our culture and our world, and I'll look at the American church and the world church, and, and I, I, I kind of do all these things, and it kind of makes my head spin, and I'm kind of thinking about it, and I'm going, God, how do we, how do we make your kingdom known? How do we let your power be known? How do we let your glory be known? How do we let the love that you have for others be known? How do we express who Jesus is and the hope that we have in him? And sometimes I think that we have to understand that to do that in the way sometimes that we want to do it, we're going to have to face a furnace. We're going to have to show that there's a difference in us because of what Jesus has done in us and through us. But you know what? We've spent a lot of times as people and as Christians compromising the word of God, compromising what God has told us and what God has asked us to do. And you know what? It's really hard to express who God is and the change that God has produced in our life if we look the same to the people we're trying to make a difference in their lives too. And look, I'm not going to, even though I could we, could, we could talk about all the things that may have led to our world being where it is today. And I've heard it all. I've been through it all. Oh, they didn't stand and, and Christians didn't stand up and they took prayer out of school. And they, they, the Christians didn't stand up and they did this, they did that. Listen, I'm not saying that's not true because it is, okay? But here's the bottom line. The world is where it is because the world is full of sinners, that need the grace of Jesus. Why is the world the way it is? Listen, here's the deal, guys. There's always been sinners. 
That's not a new thing. What's different? What's different? Why, why are we where we are? Here's what I believe in a lot of ways. And I think there's many other reasons. Don't, I'm not trying to say this is it. This is the one and now we're done. But I think this is one. I think one of the major reasons is light has stopped being light. Salt has stopped being salt. It's lost its saltiness. Light has instead seemed to try to figure out how dark it can be and still remain light. I know as a pastor, I am bombarded in my inbox and in, and in, and in articles on the internet that, that basically talk about, well, this is what you got to do to be a pastor in 2020 America. And you know what? It's frightening how much of it really just boils down to compromise. Does God's word really say that? And you know what? It's funny. I open it up and I look at it and it's like, yes, that's exactly what God's word says. But oh, that's just not... That's just not where the people are. That's just not how people respond. You gotta, you gotta do it different. No, no, I don't. And no, we don't. Because our job is to see how close we can get to the darkness. Our job is to see how, how low do we have to bow before the king basically goes, okay, you're cool. Okay, good, good, good. I, 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 I'm good. In the story, we see this unbelievable moment where these three men stand up to the king who can literally snap his fingers and say, your life is over, you're done. And what do they do? They say, we want to make this clear to you. We want to make sure there's no doubt in your mind. We want to make sure you understand there's not a hint of darkness in me. I'm all light. And you know what? I'm going to stand. Now listen. We need to talk about a couple things really quickly. We need discernment and wisdom on what God has called us to stand for. Okay? Because I think we waste a lot of times at times standing for stuff that doesn't really matter. In this story, we see something interesting. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's not their names. Okay? They have other Hebrew names. But they accept those names. Why? Because I think this is really cool. I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew who they were. It didn't matter what someone else called them. It didn't matter what other names they were given. They knew who they were in God. They knew who they were in Christ. Doesn't matter the name. Doesn't matter the situation. This is who I am. And they were firm and committed in that. But you know what? They didn't fight it. They didn't didn't go to the fiery furnace for the name change. But they knew this was where the line was drawn in the sand. They knew this was not okay. That the scriptures were clear. You should have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven images. You shall not serve any idols. They knew this was where the line was. How did they know that? I believe they knew that because they knew what God's word says. Do we as people, do we as Christians know where the line is because we've studied God's word, we've found it, or do we allow people like me or other people to tell us what that looks like? We need to be in the word and we need to figure out where that line is. We need to let God speak to us with wisdom and discernment and basically go, you know what, this line, that's not a line that that is a big deal. That's okay. I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking, hear me here. But a lot of times we fight about a lot of stuff that just doesn't matter. And instead, we need to stand 
for what God has said and be firm in that. But you know what? You might have to go to the fire. There may be a situation at school where you're going to have to stand up for what's right. You're going to have to stand up for what God's word says. And listen, you're going to be called names. You're going to be ostracized. Yeah, you're not going to be literally thrown into a literally fiery furnace. But you know what? You're going to be put in a really hot spot. Are you going to be willing to stand up? Maybe it's your work. There's things going on. You know, no one will know. Just, 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 you know, let's, let's do this or let's do that. Or, it's not that big of a deal. No one's going to know that didn't get done. or No one's going to know that you, you, you took that money. It's, it's just not that big of a deal. Are you going to stand up for what's right? When your boss is doing something that is not right, are you going to stand up and say, no, that is not okay? You might lose your job. You might be ostracized. You may be blackballed in your company. Are you willing to stand up for what's right? Are you willing to stand up and say, you know what? Listen, I don't know how God is going to take care of this. I don't know if he's going to save me from the furnace. But I know I will stand for God in this moment and in this situation. And listen, what's awesome is when we do that, people will see and people will know who God is. It's amazing. Let's go back to the Roman times. It's amazing how much, even though they put those people to death, how they, they were killing them at right and left, the church was exploding. Why? Why would you would think the people would go, hey, listen, shouldn't become this. Lion's teeth and claws will hurt me. But they don't. They grow in this time. Why? Because people are being shown the power and the amazing life change of God, even to death. And they go, you know what? My life is empty. My life has nothing. My life has no purpose. My life, there's a hole inside of me. And those people have found it. And I want what they got, even if it costs me everything. Are we going to stand? Are we going to stand? So let's pray. Because I believe that the Lord is moving. The Spirit is moving. I really believe that there are things right now that, that God is even speaking to hearts. As I was sharing, you know, and God's saying, hey, listen, listen, I want you to stand for that. Hey, listen, listen, that is not okay. And it's time you stand. Now listen, we got to understand something. And we can learn it from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They don't condemn the darkness. They don't try to preach a three-point sermon about why it's wrong to, to worship other gods. They don't fight. They, even, they have a respect for the king. They keep calling him your majesty. It's interesting. John was saying the same thing. So I really feel like God is speaking in this direction. Hey, listen, God is a better fighter than you are. So let's let him fight those battles. Let's go to the battle, but let's let God do the fighting for us. You get what I'm saying? We don't have to to fight in that way. We don't have to to get angry. We don't have to get just ugly. We can allow God to do in us and through us and give us the victory because of what God's going to do. But you know what? We still got to fight. We still got to stand, if that makes sense. We still got to go to that battle. And I believe that God is speaking to you and speaking to others and basically saying, hey, listen, listen, this is it. This is your line. You don't cross this. And you know what? Maybe you're in the process of it right now. And you're so tempted. It's so easy. No one's going to know. 
so easy to just cross that line. Just this one time, just this one time. God will understand. And God's saying, no, it is time to stand. As a church and as a people, it is time to stand. Because here's the bottom line. We don't just stand because we believe we're right, okay? We stand because we know this is the only hope for mankind. We know this is the only way to be able to live forever with Jesus. We know that this is our way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We're not standing just so we can stand up and go, look how right we are and how wrong you are. We're standing because we want people to come with us and to know Jesus and to experience his love, grace, and amazing mercy. So we stand, not just for us, but for all those who will see and be amazed at the love, power, and goodness of our God. So the question is, will you stand? Will you stand? I want to pray with you and over you. And then we're going to have a quick closing chorus. But listen, like I said earlier, you got to decide now which king you're going to serve. Not when you're standing before him. It's time to decide today that I'm going to do this and I'm going to stand. So let's pray. Father, we come to you and we know you're good and we know you're strong. And we know that, Father, you are going to bring us to places where we have an opportunity to make a stand for you. We know that, that, that in our world, we don't live in Israel anymore. We live in Babylon. We live in a foreign land, a land that is, that is hostile to what we believe and what we see. And it's getting more and more hostile every day. And Jesus, you have called us and commanded us to be a light in a dark place. You've commanded us to stand for you and stand for your word and stand for what is true, right, and good. And Father, too many of us for too many years and too many times have compromised and said it's not that big of a deal. No one will know. I'm just one person. How can it really be that big of a deal? It'll just be easier this way. And God, when we've done that, because I know I have, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. And Father, now as we look forward to what is coming, God, I pray that in this moment we will all make that decision that says, you know what? I don't care what it costs me. I don't care how hard it is or how hot the furnace is. All I know is that I will stand for God. I will stand for His truth that He tells us in His Word. I will stand not just for me, but I'll stand for my family and my friends and my co-workers and strangers that I don't even know. I'll stand for them as well because I know that in that fire, when you begin to do that and those things begin to happen that you'll use that to make your name great and your name known and Jesus that's what we want for you to become famous and for people to see who you are and come to know you so Father come and help us we love you we thank you we can't do it without you we need you so Father help us to stand for you 